Good morning. It's good to have those who are with us out this morning in the recording since we closed this morning for due to our inclement weather. But this morning, a few of us have gathered together to worship the Lord, but I've recorded, so <clears throat> here we go. If you have your Bibles, be opening up with me to Acts chapter 22. We're going to revisit <clears throat> Paul's conversion, if you will. So Acts, Acts chapter 22. <clears throat> We remember who Paul is. Remember who Paul was. We learned so many great things from Paul. And uh, the, the encouragement that we get from Paul, even the early church is the encouragement from Paul. That encouragement, of course, echoes to us today. So remember who Paul was and as he was dragging Christians into the streets, hauling off to, hauling off to jail and even having them killed. We remember Saul... Uh, in the Sanhedrin court, as he's holding the coats of those who are stoning Stephen, Paul had many great accomplishments. Paul is an encouragement to us. We, we see his, uh, his motivation to serve God even before he became a Christian and his conversion. We see that motivation to serve his father. Well, he wasn't doing it in, in so much that was pleasing to God, though, was he, as Christ came to him on the road to Damascus as he recounts here in Acts chapter 22. So therefore he realized he needed to make a change. <clears throat> change is important in our Christian lives. As we learn in Romans chapter 12, that we have to give up the things of the world and be not, no longer transformed. We got transformed by the renewing of our mind, no longer conformed to this world. We'll make a choice, we'll make a choice to change, to serve our Father. So now we think about this as Paul's recounts in Acts chapter 22. Start reading with me in the first verse. Brethren and fathers, hear my defense before you now. And when they heard that he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, they kept all the more silent. And he said, I am indeed a Jew born in, born in Tarsus of Sicilia and brought up in this city at the feet of Galilee, taught according to the strictness of our Father's law, and was zealous toward God as you are all today. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women, as also the high priest bears me witness, and all the counsel of the elders, from whom I also received letters to the brethren and went to Damascus to bring in chains even those who were there in Jerusalem to be punished. How it happened as I journeyed and came near Damascus, at about noon, suddenly there a great light from heaven shone around me, and I fell to the ground. And I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. So I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Arise and go into Damascus, and there you will find, and you will be told all things which are appointed for you to do. And since I could not see for the glory of that light, being led by the hand of those who were with me, I came into Damascus. Then a certain Ananias, a devout man, 
according to the law, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there, came to me and he stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that same hour, I looked up at him. Then he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. For you will be a witness to all men that you have seen and heard. And now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Now it happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I was in a trance. And saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. So I said, Lord, they know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believe on you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by consult, consenting to his death and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then he said to me, Depart, for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. Let's stop right there in verse 21. There's a lot going on here in chapter 22 in the, in the first 21 verses. Well, first off, as he is addressing these Jews, and they, there's a little bit of a commotion, if you will. And then as Paul began to speak, they realized that they were speak, he was speaking in the Hebrew tongue. And then utter silence fell upon the crowd. So we see Paul giving a recount of who he was, learning under Gamaliel, and was a Hebrew of Hebrews, as he recounts. Not here, but he says, I'm, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. According to the law, faultless. Paul understood what it is to follow a strict law from God. You notice in verse 3, whenever Paul says he was zealous toward God, as you all are today. Now keep in mind, this is first century, not 2023, as Paul is talking to these folks. And he says, I know you have a zeal toward God. I know you want to serve Him. We have different instructions today as he teaches under the New Testament. We have new instructions today than we did then. He gives his recount. As we just read, we're going to dive into it. As he's journeying toward Damascus. He ain't got into Damascus yet. So there is an encounter on the road to Damascus. A light shone on him about in verse 6. And he fell to the ground. You ever had something to terrify you? You're terrified enough to say, you want to hunker down and, and, and kind of take up a defensive position? This wasn't this. This was a, out of respect. What's happening? So he fell to the ground. Even those who were with Paul, journeying with him, seen the light. And they were kind of amazed, what's going on? Something's happening. And this slide is shining around, at this time, Saul, not yet to be Paul. And in verse 7, we hear Christ speak. And he says this, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That's some big words. That's, that's some really strong words that Christ just said to Saul, soon to be Paul. Because remember, as we get the recount, the early recounting when Christ is talking to Ananias, 
in the Gospels, and we see that uh, Christ tells Ananias, this Saul, you need to go and talk to him. Ananias didn't want to go. Remember that? He was afraid because of who Saul was. As he says in verse, where did he go? In verse 4, I persecuted this way to death. So therefore he was, those who were of the way. Now keep in mind, it wasn't early, the early church wasn't called the church of Christ. It was called the way. It was called the way. So therefore those who were of the way was being dragged off into prisons, courts, and, and, and put to death. Because it wasn't according to the Mosaic law. Now, so we see this light and this voice coming in contact with Saul. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So what does Saul say? So I answered, who are you, Lord? Well, first off, Christ doesn't know... Uh, Saul doesn't know that it's Christ. Out of respect to what's happening, he says, Lord, I know there's a lot of, of, of confusion out there and, and miscontradiction of the, of, the, of, the, of the verse here, and it says, well, Saul already knows it's God or, or Christ. No, why would he ask, who is it? Who are you, Lord? It's out of respect. What's going on? So let me give this, this encounter a little bit of respect. So what does Christ say? I am Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Uh-oh. So here, you think Saul is thinking any? You think some things are going through his mind? He says, all this motivation that I've done, all these things that I've done to serve God and uh, hold to His letter and hold to His law, and I've I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm persecuting. Because keep in mind, this is, not, this is not a person who just walked up to him. Christ has already ascended. He's already in heaven. He's already at the right hand of the Father. As Stephen saw. So now we see Saul hearing this voice come from... None of the others heard the voice, remember? In verse 9, And those who were with him indeed saw the light, but were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to him. Saul's going through his mind, you know. This is something special. Hence the Lord. And Jesus tells him, I'm Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. I've never done anything to you, Lord. That question has been arose also in Christ's ministry. As he was still here upon this earth. He told his disciples, when I was naked, you clothed me. When I was hungry, you gave me food. But when I was thirsty, you gave me drink. And his disciples looked at him and said, Well, at what point in time have we ever done that to you? He said, When the least of these, those in need, those who needed a helping hand, those who were hungry, when you feed them, when they are thirsty, you give them something to drink. When you clothe those who are in need of being clothed, you do this unto me. Right? So therefore, if you're persecuting Christ, if you're doing harmful deeds to his disciples, what are you doing to Christ? Indeed, Christ saying, you're persecuting me. 
You ever heard that term, you reap what you sow? So if you sow persecution, how should you feel on Judgment Day when you're handed persecution? You should feel justified according to that act. For the Scriptures very well tell us that what we deal in this life, it will be repaid unto us tenfold in eternity. That is, your reward is great in the Lord. But with Satan, that reward is also great, but it's a bad reward. I know we think about reward being something good. No reward is something that you get. As we're warned very well in Colossians chapter 3, that those workers of iniquity and those sons of disobedience are going to result in God's wrath. That is a reward of your just deeds. Because we have a just Father who judges us accordingly. It's in verse 10. So I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Arise and go into Damascus, and there you'll be told all things which are appointed for you to do. Now keep in mind, this is a noontime, and this light shines around him, blinds him. His eyesight is taken away from him. And he's having to be led into Damascus. He can't see. But he finds a man named Ananias. We're going we're gonna to get down there to him in just a few minutes. You notice what the Lord tells him to do. Arise and go into Damascus, and you, there you will be told all things which are appointed for you to do. Now this applies to you and I for so much, even into this day. Verse 10. When you accept the Lord. Well, now when I say accept the Lord, you hear the word, you respond to that word, you believe that word, repent of your sins, and you're immersed for the remission of sins. And from that day forward, you are told what things to do in your everyday walk of life. That is to be a Christian. Those instructions are from the strictness of the law. It's Following God's instructions is not easy. It's not. Not sinning is not easy. It's almost it's impossible. For Therefore we sin daily. For it's a point of, for all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 so therefore, the instructions that we get from our Father through His Word, I don't mean from the voice of a person. That's not what I'm saying. Yes, this message is being delivered from my, with my voice. Yes. But I urge home study. I urge diving into the Scriptures and finding out for yourself that what's being taught is the truth. Hands down. Because if you're being falsely taught, if you are being misled, that correction needs to happen just like Saul was corrected on the road to Damascus. And he made a change. And he asked Christ, what shall I do? In the Mosaic law, when Abraham is spoken to of God, when God speaks to Abraham, when he says, Abraham, Abraham says, Lord, here am I. You know what he's actually saying? Use me. Here I am. Tell me what to do. What shall I do? 
exactly what Abraham is saying. He's not saying, I'm over here. It's me. I'm present. That's not what he's saying. So therefore, we see Saul having this same respect for God or Christ and to say, what shall I do? This zeal, this wonderful zeal that Saul had under the old teachings, before his conversion, before this encounter right here, his zeal for God was not pleasing to God. Because what was he doing? He was persecuting Jesus Christ. He was persecuting Christians. And and a, a little further note, or a side note, I don't think Saul ever really got over killing his soon-to-be brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't really think he did. Because he considered himself the lesser of the apostles. So he tells him to go into Damascus. And there you'll be told all things which are appointed for you to do. And in verse 11, And since I could not see for the glory of that light, being led by the hand of those who were with me, I came into Damascus. Then in verse 12, A certain Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there, came to me, stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that same hour, I looked up at him. Now picture this encounter with Ananias, with Saul. Here he's being led into Damascus by the hand. You know, he's, now you're helping someone because they can't see. They're making the little small steps, right? Now the journey's taking a little bit longer, nevertheless. So here, a, a previous encounter with Christ and Ananias, whenever he looks at Ananias and says, this Saul who you're going to meet is my chosen vessel to the Gentiles. That's an honor, is it not? That's an honor. Folks, we're Gentiles. We're not Jews. We're Gentiles. We look at the teachings from Saul daily, or Paul, in the context here, he's still Saul. We look at this, this same person's teachings often. How much good can we get from Paul's teachings? A lot. Because he had a great zeal for God. But here he's being instructed by Ananias to do something wonderful. So previous to this encounter to Damascus, I know there's I know there's a lot to say, well, well, Paul was saved in that encounter when he changed his life. No, he wasn't. No, he was not. He was still guilty of his sins. And I know that argument is there, out there, even unto this day. Well, the reason why, why would he need immersion? Why would he need to be baptized? Why would he need to be uh, forgiven of his sins? Well, wait a minute. Weren't your sins forgiven when you changed? Nope, not yet. Not yet. We sing a wonderful song. I encounter it often. And I refer to it just as much. What can wash our sins away? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's it. How do we come in contact with the blood of Jesus? It's not flowing like a river. No matter of speaking, it kind of actually is. Because it's a swell that's springing up into everlasting water. And that blood is contacted through immersion. With a changed heart, is exactly what Saul just did. He says, well, what shall I do? 
this zeal that he has for God, enough motivation to say, I want to serve God without thought. Then he realized he had fault. Well, I need to make a change. What shall I do? And you'll be told all things which are appointed for you to do. Now, we look at Saul. Later, Paul, in our writings of the New Testament, he is Paul. His name changes a little bit later here in Acts. Things which are appointed for you to do. Appointed means this is what you got to do. It doesn't say forced, does it? It does not say forced. Things that you're going to must do. And kind of, in a matter of speaking, it is must, but this is appointed. You ever, you ever made an appointment and couldn't make it? Well, I have, of course. You ever had something that you uh, made a, uh, an appointment for a doctor's office and, and you couldn't make it? Even the doctor might not even be able to make it. And it had to be rescheduled. That is not the way this works. No. Appointed means you got to do it. And if you don't do it, you're at fault. But the zeal that Saul has to serve God is astounding. And it's not the zeal with a lack of knowledge. Excuse me. Saul was a very smart man. He knew the letter of the law. He was the youngest person in the Sanhedrin court. He understood the law and he obeyed it. Even unto this point. So in verse 13, Ananias tells him to look up, receive your sight, and he looks up at him, Saul does. And in verse 14 is a wonderful statement is being said. Ananias talks to Saul, and he said, the God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. For you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. All right, let's stop right there. Notice what's being said in 14. The God of our fathers has chosen you. <laughs> this encounter road to Damascus was not an everyday thing. It was. In, in a matter of, I've, I've thought of this. And a little side note, a little, 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 little bit of a break. If everyone had this same encounter, how many more faithful folks would we have? If a light was shown around someone and this voice from loud voice from heaven says, What are you doing? Make a change. Come unto me or perish. Right? That's what God's word tells us. It doesn't do this miraculous thing, but his word tells us those things. Change from your sinful ways. That's the light shining around you. That's it being revealed unto you. To make that change, for sin will condemn you. That you should know His will. And see the just one. That was the light. And hear the voice of His mouth. And that was His voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Arise and go to Damascus, and there you will be told all things which are appointed for you to do. For you will be His witness to all men what you have seen and heard. 
I know what this is saying. This is, whoa, wait, wait, this, this is saying that all men, it's most assuredly all men. You remember uh, Paul's encounter with Peter? As Peter was excusing himself eating with Gentiles when his Jewish brethren would come in. Peter would excuse himself. Oh, I can't be eating with y'all because it's unclean. Paul corrected him. Y'all remember that encounter? That encounter where he says, no, you can't do that because what you're doing now, you're saying that they're still unclean even though they're Christians. And you're, you're trying to, both ends of the fence, you can't do that. Continue to eat with your brethren. Know very well that they are not unclean. And, I, and I'm astounded in that encounter too as, as Peter says, or shown that vision from heaven that all men, all things that God has created are clean. There's nothing now unclean. Of course, that example there was arise, kill, and eat. And Peter says, well, I've never eaten anything unclean. And that vision of, that everything that God has created is clean. Y'all know the old law was different, but the new law is not. <clears throat> For you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. How much wisdom has Paul shared to the New Testament church? How much encouragement do we get from the New Testament, oh, excuse me, from the teachings of Paul? lot. Because the things that were happening in the early church, those things even happen today in the New Testament church, even today. To be a witness is to say, this is what happened. This is the change. I'm going to share it with you. This is what happened. That's what a witness is. So in like manner, at this time in verse 13, verse 15, how are we a witness today? Are we a witness? Well, can we be a witness? Yes, we can. Whenever we tell folks about Christ, when we, when we share about the gospel, we talk about God's judgment. We talk about His people. We talk about His love. We talk about His condemnation that exists within His wrath. We talk about these things. Not only amongst ourselves, but also amongst the lost. So that, that little seed is planted. Remember the, the, the parable of the mustard seed? That nifty tiny seed and that big old plant comes out. Of, that's, that's how we plant those seeds. We get the word into someone's mind just by talking about it. That's what a witness is. And in verse 16. So keep in mind, on the road to Damascus, when he makes that change, it's okay, I want to... I want to get right. If I'm doing wrong according to God and this miraculous thing, I know it's not someone doing this, so it's so it's got to be God. So, it, oh, this is Christ, so I need to make a change and be pleasing to God. He wasn't saved at this point. He was still guilty of his sins. In verse 16, Ananias tells Saul this, and why are you waiting? Before we finish that verse out, I want us to think about those who are listening to this and have yet to come to God through baptism. Because it's exactly what Ananias fixing to tell him. I know you just finished, continued on reading, but I want to stop right here. He has Saul. Why are you waiting? Why are you waiting? 
The reasons to wait for something. Fear, uncomfortableness, shame. These are just a few things why folks wait. Right? It's just a few. Well, let's look at fear. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of change. I'm afraid of what's going to have to be required of me. Now, those are big things, right? Being a Christian is big things. It's a big change. Well, first off, we fear was the first one, right? So if you are the friend of God, remember, I just draw his, I just I just lost Abraham. Wow, I just almost lost his name. Abraham, he was considered the friend of God. You remember that? Remember him being cons, uh, encouraged to be, uh, or was told, uh, uh, described, excuse me, described as a friend of God. Why was Abraham considered the friend of God? Because he'd done the things God told him to do. He was obedient to God. Did he have faults? Of course he did. But to the best of his ability, he served God. He was a friend of God. So if we are waiting on waiting because of fear, change, have to give it up things. How do you think it's going to be standing before God not wearing his son? Not being washed of your sins. Last Sunday, our example of Christ being a servant when he washes his disciples' feet at the Last Supper. Whenever old Peter said, not my feet also, but my hand and my head, everything, wash it all. Previous to that, you remember what Christ said? If you're not washed of me, you will have no part of me. So standing before God, in the absence of washing your sins away, you don't have Christ, and He's going to have to say, I do not know you. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. We find that in Matthew 7, verse 23. So why would we not be washed of our sins? Why would we wait? Fear is one of them, right? It's okay. Let's look at another one. Shame. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm not worthy. I feel like I'm not... I'm, I'm, I've got too much sin. and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not worthy of Christ. Well, let's put this on a human perspective. Not that one sin is any better than, than any other sin. That sin is sin, right? We understand God's thought. And if you don't, here it is. Sin sees your lying, your incest, your adultery, your fornication as any one sin. He don't, hide, he don't have any grade of sin. Sin is just sin. It's separation us from Him. You need to remember that. So if we... If we See ourselves as, I'm not good, I'm not worthy enough, I'm not, I'm not ready. That shame that you feel today will be exponentially magnified on Judgment Day, standing before God, when you have to be cast into outer darkness. How much shame was going to be there? So this is what's going to happen with Saul and the instruction from Ananias. And why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash your sins calling on the name of the Lord. <laughs> so you mean baptism is essential for salvation? Yes. Period. Hands down. 
In the absence of baptism, how are you going to wash your sins away? For the blood of bulls and goats can't do it. What can do it? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. But something is added on verse 16, not just baptism. Because if it just baptism was there, I could be baptized and go live however I want to. I can go abide in sin. I can just go live willy-nilly and not even pay attention to what God would have me to do. What does Saul tell Paul? Oh, excuse Saul tell Well, I just put both together. <laughs> what did Ananias tell Saul? He says, wash, wash your sins calling on the name of the Lord. Wait a minute. Is that just says, hey, Lord, let me make a phone call. 911. No, that's not what this calling on the name of the Lord means. They didn't have telephones then. What does it mean to call on the name of the Lord? It means live faithfully, observe his commands, put him into your heart, and live your life as his son. Would continue to walk into this day. That's what it means to call on the name of the Lord. So here we see Saul making a transition from the old law to the new. And immediately, according to the Gospels, immediately after Saul's transformation, what's the first thing he did? He started preaching. He started preaching that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's what he was hauling folks off to prison for. That's what he was killing folks for, was to adherence to that, that rule, that law, that instruction, that truth. So here Saul makes a complete transformation to go from not pleasing to God to pleasing to God. What a wonderful transformation that happened with Saul. We know today from his teaching as Paul, same person. We need to look at ourselves sometimes. We see this conversion, this miraculous thing that happens. If we look at the Bible and we see the history of it and we understand how it got to us in this book form, they didn't have it back then, but we have a wonderful blessing. I almost think of it as a miracle. But we have the God's Word in front of us today. And we're able to study it. And we're able to dive into it. And we're able to put it into our hearts. And we're able to live our lives out as God is happy with us. So my question this morning, we see Saul being not pleasing in the eyes of God. And through the instructions that Saul got to make that change, understanding the will of God, hearing his voice, and receiving those instructions, what Saul had to do, he'd done it. So my encouragement this morning, turn away from your sins, Give those things up. Cease doing them. Come to God through immersion and be pleasing in His eyes. Call on the name of the Lord. I don't even know if we still have it today, but you ever made a phone call? Yes, I heard it the other day. Yes. Someone's line was disconnected and we was, we was trying to contact them. It's been a long time since we've seen them. And we called their number and it went, I'm sorry, the number you have dialed has been disconnected. Uh-oh. What does that mean? It means that connection is there isn't, isn't there anymore. You may be looking at yourself and you have lost your connection to God. 
And you can't contact him. Can't pray to him because it ain't going to go past the rafters. Repentance is how you make that connection again. That's how a child of God is faithful in the eyes of God. That's how there is rejoicing in heaven as we learn in the parable of the lost sheep, the lost corn, and the prodigal son. Rejoicing in heaven. Let's let there be rejoicing in heaven with a repentant heart coming to God through faithful observance of His instructions. But you may be outside of God. You may be yet you, you, you have may yet have come to Him through baptism. That's like Saul being blinded, walking into Damascus, and yet to be immersed. You're in that period right there. You've heard the word, and you've you've believed the word. Let's repent. Let's repent of those sins. Give those sins up. Stop doing it. Because those sins will continue. Make you an enemy of God. Hebrews 10 verse 26 all the way through 31. So we think about that. Yet coming to God through baptism. Yet washing your sins away. You're still guilty of your sins. Be justified. Repent. Confess. And be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And your sins will be forgiven. And then, then you call on the name of the Lord. Receiving His instructions and putting those instructions actively in your life. So my encouragement is this. Repent or come to God. 